It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, parents, if I still had my trumpet, I'd be playing it a little bit right now because this is a milestone episode, episode number 100 of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. And for 100 episodes, I have been asking questions of Dr. Michael Green. As I said the other day on a Zoomcast, my job is uh, to ask the questions. The brain part comes from Michael. And so, Michael, uh, I'm going to put your brain to the test. I don't know how well you did in math. I was terrible at math. So, so let's let's crunch some numbers here. We have done 100. This is our 100th 30-minute podcast. So that means people who have listened to all of them have listened to how many hours of you and I going on and on. Okay, let's think. We can do this. So 100 has two zeros. 30 has one zero. So I'm going to say that's... Either 3,000 or 30,000 minutes. Hold on, how many well, zeros? Yep. 3,000 minutes. 3,000 minutes, all right. Okay, so, then we divide that by 60. All the math teachers out there are laughing, right? So don't we divide... Well, actually, couldn't you just take 100 <laughs> and divide it by... I mean, if, if, if it's 30... This is great, parents. Just hang on there as we, as we do math together. This is why it. it's not called a math approach. No. <laughs> if it's been 130-minute episodes, then it's been 50 hours, right? Oh, right. How brilliant. Yeah, yeah oh, thank yeah, you. And 60 divided into 30 was going to get 33,000 was going to get to 50. Yeah. Yes, so that's what it's been. Perfect. So so if you've listened to you all of them. You did better at math than me, I think. Yeah, well, I, I got a <laughs> nice big D in algebra, and that was it for me. Um, so so I, both of us have listened to all of these podcasts because we're in them. Uh, some of our listeners have been brave enough to listen to all of them. And uh, so no matter how many you've listened to, whether it's one or 100, we are so glad to have you with us for our 100th episode. And uh, to celebrate, we're going to do a listener question. Because when we started this, we wanted to make sure that we could offer the best advice that we could based on brain science, of course, based on our own experience, and uh, based on experiences men, right? That's a little unique experience from parenting. And uh, so we're going to do a, a listener question today, and it's a it's a really pertinent one, I think. Uh, it's one that we have not really dealt with before. And uh, I want to say before I read the question for you that if you do have a question for us, uh, and uh, you're maybe hoping you can be on episode number 200, uh, you can send your questions to wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, and you'll find a form there where you can submit your questions. We have a Facebook page where parents interact. It's Wonder of Parenting on Facebook. And uh, we also have our sponsor, uh, A Place of Hope, the center, and there's a link to them as well. And we're so grateful for them. Uh, they have brought uh, a number of episodes to you through their financial support. So we say a big thanks to them as we celebrate uh, episode number 100. So, Michael, here's our question for this, uh, this big podcast. Uh, it says, I have a question about an 11-year-old foster boy. 
He has recently moved in with his permanent carer, who is a single woman. He has been diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome, and his emotional intelligence is apparently at the age of a four-year-old. He has recently increased the amount of physical affection he wants, hugs for longer periods of time. The other day, he took his carer's dress from the wash basket and took it into the toilet with him. She has told him that that's not appropriate. I was hoping for some advice on how to talk to him about appropriate boundaries while not making him embarrassed. Uh, Is this normal part of puberty for home or part of a trauma? Um, Thanks so much. Love your show. We appreciate that. Uh, So I I couldn't quite tell Michael from this email what the relationship is between the writer and the boy. Obviously involves somehow in some way. Um, But it's a really interesting question. Could you start for us by talking a little bit about fetal alcohol syndrome? I'm sure most of us are aware of it, but let's at least start at the same position together. Okay. Yes. Uh, So um, the, the mom is drinking, right, while carrying the child. Right. Um, uh, there, there's stuff coming in that, uh, of course, gets in the bloodstream and affects the brain development of the fetus of the child. And the child comes out and it, you know, it's not necessarily not every uh, child who comes out has exactly the same issues. Generally, though, it's some form of, of um, developmental disability delay and or delay course it can become it can come out as um emotional disturbance it can, can come out uh what later we'll think as personality disorders it can come out with you know you can inability to even read i mean really anything can happen depending on the amount of alcohol that went in depending on how it hit uh, this child's genetic structure and developmental structure so that that's basically what it is and for him um at least in part he's got she says an emotional intelligence of a four-year-old. Um, yeah. So, so it can affect sort of how they respond emotionally. It and and I'm guessing it can also impact the way that they think and um, perhaps their their mental ability and so on. Yeah, all of everything all can of be delayed. Yeah. yeah, and it and we see it as delay, and um, uh, so that's implied by saying you know he has the emotional intelligence of a four-year-old. So the parts of his brain that are going to handle, you know, the connectivity for him to, to figure out what emotions, for him to express his emotions, and especially to figure out what other people are emoting and then respond to their emotions with his emotions, that that may never fully come in, come in, mm. you know, but mm. we see it as delayed and we work toward maturation um, and hope that that matures. But it's possible that he would, um, you know, he would never get to, let's say, a 20-year-old's emotional ability. Wow. All right. So we've got this this great foster parent or carer who is taking in this boy. And um, so as you read that question and as you've been thinking about it, what are some things that stood out for you generally? Okay. I think that the relationship is uh, that this writer is the social worker or is in some, you know, caseworker is somewhere got involved got in it. helping okay. to place. And so, so I'll kind of go sentence by sentence on this because each one is really is really packed with stuff we can talk about. So he's 11. He, even though he can have these delays, he's still 11. He's, it's probable that his 
the genetic structure for adolescence is intact, so he's going to start getting hormones. Uh, he probably entered, I'm going to say it's probable, haven't examined him, but possible or probable that 9, 10, he started into pre-puberty, he's 11, he's moving into pre-puberty for sure, and or depending on you know where he's at, puberty. So he's getting flood of testosterone, right? More surges and floods of testosterone. So any normal, you know, quote unquote, normal boy, in other words, a boy who doesn't have um, uh, FAS would, would be getting the same hormones. And so they might themselves be sort of becoming a little bit sexually interested. So the hormones are something to think about. Um, number two, this boy, we don't know where he is in his attachment. Like how, how does attachment work for him? Is there delay for him? If he's if he has the um, a four year old's emotional intelligence to use her words, then he is probably attaching, also like a four year old. And so we have two things going on at once. I think when he takes her dress, and carer for folks who don't know, the carer is going to be we're going to call that person his new mom, right? That that carer has taken over. Um, uh, uh, because she's his permanent carer now. So I'm, I'm going to call her mom. So she's sort of like an adoptive mom. She's female, so he can have some of this going on around sex sexuality, but he's got four-year-old emotional intelligence. This could be attachment. He could be atta attaching to her, and this dress can be just like all of our kids had their doll or their blankie, right? There could be attachment there. So I see the possibility of working with him in two ways. To, and this social worker perhaps would then want to observe this and get more data and say, okay, how much of this is about attachment? And, and so therefore, okay, right? Because he's attaching and then we give him, give him her blanket. We'll give him something else that, that doesn't make her uncomfortable. Like the dress makes the mom uncomfortable, but give her, maybe give him something else that we're, it's fine. Give him a blankie that she has sort of blessed, let's say, and then he can attach with that. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that's one thing they can work on, attachment or sexuality. And then um, uh, the taking it into the toilet, you know, that's his private place, of course. So um, that's probably one of the only places where he has privacy. And, um, and so that would kind of explain that. It doesn't help us with whether it's sexuality or attachment, and it could be both. But I, that would be why I think he does that. Now, of course, she told him that's not appropriate. That's absolutely fine. Like it's even if, if even a four year old, right? If he has the emotional intelligence of a four year old, you absolutely are going to tell that child what's appropriate. So um, fine to say, look, that's not appropriate. Uh, in terms of talking to him about boundaries, 
if he's very young, if his you know brain is very young, immature, um, that's going to have to get explained, and so and it's going to have to be repetitive, and so it's going to be um, if we decide that the dress we don't want the dress to be the attachment object, it's going to be okay. This dress you can't play with. That's not okay, uh, but you can play with this blankie. In other words, we give him an option. You can play with this blankie. That's okay. So we're experientially showing him what the boundaries are. Um, uh, for that brain, just kind of telling him all the time is probably not going to get through. We have to say it, but it's not going to get through as well as something like that that's tactile and experiential. Um, just the way we would say, if he hits this mom, she's going to say, you may not hit me, but you may hit the back of the couch. When you get angry, you may hit the back of the couch. You may not hit me. I'm a living person. Uh, you can't hit living people. You can't hit cats or dogs. Uh, but you may hit the back of the couch. So it's experiential teaching him boundaries in that experiential way. Um, I wouldn't be worried about making him embarrassed. She says, well, I don't want to make him embarrassed. You know, a, a, of course, we don't want to embarrass him a lot. But but uh, a certain amount of embarrassment when we're teaching boundaries, especially if there if there is a sexuality component in this, when we're teaching boundaries is fine. You know, that that's a kind of guilt that the child learns from. So I think there's a difference between embarrassment and shame. And I think neither this mom nor the social worker would shame this child, but, but making him a little embarrassed saying, well, you know, when you play with that dress, you're next to my private parts. That's not good. I don't like that. That's not appropriate. Um, I need you to play with this blankie or touch this blankie. Um, that little bit of embarrassment I think is going to be okay for him. Um, uh, and then in terms of her asking, is it a normal part of puberty uh, and, uh, for home or is it part of trauma? I think the answer is both. Um, you know, I, I think the attachment part of it is going to be that even at 11, you know, the, 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 what happened in his brain, right, while he was being carried, um, uh, that is very traumatic. And so I'm guessing that some of this is about that trauma and may never go away. Um, and, and some of it is uh, testosterone and puberty and, you know, whatever sexual imagery he's seeing out in the world, whatever it is that's starting to stimulate him sexually. I'm guessing it's a both and. Now, you, you uh, two words came up to me as you were talking and you touched on them a little bit. And I want you to dig a little deeper for us. Um, and this is this is still on topic, but a little bit off. Uh, how would you define the difference between a little bit of embarrassment and shaming a child. Uh, what what internally is happening in the child? What are the things that we may be doing that embarrass versus shame? How do we know the difference? Okay, yeah, both both the shaming of the child and the embarrassment of the child. Um, in well, let me back up one step. When we shame a child based on our own, let's say, narcissism or our own, um, our own requirement that the child be a rewarding object for us. In other words, we're not seeing the child here at all. What's happening is we have a personality disorder or we're operating in a way where the child is just an object and we want that child to pay attention to us to do what we say, you know, whatever it is, um, because of us. It has nothing to do with the child. Okay, that kind of shaming, which which is all, often very authoritarian, and we've talked about that, the difference between authoritarian, authoritative, and permissive. Authoritarian is that more narcissistic or that um, rigid, 
and I don't really even care what the child's going through. Uh, this is what you will do. And when you do this, you will be actually be rewarding me, my personality, my emotional structure. Um, that's, that's generally easy to spot shaming. And it generally happens um, uh, by our recasting the child as something inadequate, unworthy, worthless, um, uh, and especially worthless unless the child does exactly what I say and rewards me in exactly the way I want to reward it with the specific behaviors, you know, and if the child does not do that, the child is worthless. So that, that can come out as, you know, you piece of blank, you are stupid, you are, you know, all the name calling, all, and, and then physical abuse, you know, is shaming, child abuse is shaming it, beating the child, um, you know, that's all in that trauma category. So that's one way to see it. Uh, and that's not embarrassment now, that's, that's shame where I'm, the child is worthless unless the child rewards me in the way I want. Uh, segwaying off of that is um, when we are not of that personality type, we're not actually being authoritarian, we're not narcissistic or something like that, but we name call, we attack, and we uh, impress on the child that the child is inadequate. And, and we do it not by saying the behavior was inadequate, but you are inadequate, yeah. you are lazy, you are stupid. Okay, that's shaming. That's shame. The child's going to learn that as shame. And that, especially if, if constant or repetitive, is going to cause trauma. But saying to a child, um, you took you took that uh, dress or, oh, uh, you know, let's get out of this one. Let's give other common things where we, where we embarrass our child. I saw the way you were looking at, um, I have to give an age to the child. The child's 12. And the child is staring at a woman who looks very attractive to him, you know, and our job has to be to teach the child, you don't do that, right? So I have to embarrass the child. I have to say, you were staring at Mary, who's 16, let's say, and fully developed. You were staring at Mary, and that is, that, ooh, no, you can't do that. And Mary saw it, and um, she didn't like it. Okay, now that's going to embarrass that child, right? He's going to be embarrassed that he was caught staring at her. But that's positive. That's okay. We need him to have that embarrassment. Um, and we will not hopefully do this in public, right? I mean, we could go more in the realm of shaming if we if there are 20 people there and we say, nah, 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 you stared at Mary's boobs, you know, like that. Okay, that's going to be more in the category that we don't want, especially we parents. Peers will do that enough. So we parents, we want to go more in the kind of healthy embarrassment not do it in public, but be honest. And then the child's, you know, face gets a little red because he's embarrassed, but but he'll it'll imprint. He'll go, oh yeah, okay, I'm ashamed. Uh, I shouldn't do that. He's not really ashamed. He's embarrassed. And uh, so that's where I think we would see it as the, the difference. Does that make sense? Yeah, so I, I get the part of what I think you're saying, at least what I'm hearing is when we shame, we go to the core of who that person is when we embarrass or guilt, we're talking more about behavior uh, with the purpose of uh, redirecting behavior or changing behavior, where shame doesn't leave you in any option. It's just saying you're, you're no good, you're worthless, where a little embarrassment or guilt said, look, this is inappropriate, but you can change this. Yeah. Yeah, ab absolutely. Uh, embarrassment and guilt, um, if, if used by parents equitably, let's say, uh, can be really good parenting tools. <laughs> uh, 
and and we shouldn't think that any of us are going to get through the parenting journey from birth to let's say 20 without utilizing some embarrassment and some guilting right we are we are going to and we know it's a good weapon um and it's useful but but yeah shame is is about core self and and you know one incident you know one incident of embarrassing a child like sometimes parents will say to me well i, I embarrassed my son in this way I, you know, I've shamed him and have I damaged him? And I always say to them, you know, an incident here, an incident there of embarrassing him, of guilting him, you know, uh, no, that's not what we're talking about. You have not traumatized your child. Um, it's when you're, when you're, when you're at the level of shame where you're, where the child feels so undeserving of love, undeserving of success, undeserving of, of, of being because the core self is so damaged, the core self is so wounded. And you, you hear about um, people in, you know, in the AA world, in the NA world, you know, we talk about recovery, we talk about addiction and, and the shame around that kids feel around having a parent who's an addict, you know, all the years of <clears throat> being shamed by that parent and or being inadequate to try to help that parent, uh, the shame that kids feel when a parent um, commits suicide. And the mm. feeling that I was not able to save my parent. You know, these are deep levels of of this core self-shame. And in that case, you know, the child wasn't at fault at all, right? right? I mean, there was no fault in the in the parent being an alcoholic, no fault in the parent committing suicide, but the child still feels it. Well, when I talk to parents about this, I say, now think about that and then and then think about um uh what a child will feel after fifteen years of being told by the parent that the child is inadequate. You know, I mean, it's that shame and deep. Right. Um, and the child just will feel inadequate, undeserving, and it'll be very hard for that child to bond later, you know, to really trust another human being and marry and raise a family. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Shame holds no hope for people. Because you are, you have been, this is who you are. You're never going to change where a little bit of embarrassment or guilt is motivated by hope that you can make a better decision next time around. You can do something different next time around. And that's probably the difference. We want to bring change when we're using a little guilt and embarrassment. We don't really want to bring change when we're bringing shame. Uh, yeah, I think that's a beautiful way to put it. And and that's what a part of what a therapist does when we work with a, uh, an adult who's been, you know, shamed as a child who's living in shame um part of what we are doing is helping the child to become an adult who has hope i love how you said that yeah now she is she's asking for some advice on how to talk to him about appropriate boundaries so i want to come back to that a little bit because in this particular case we have a boy who 
at least physically is 11, emotionally maybe 4, mentally we're not quite sure where he might be. That's a very difficult conversation to have in setting boundaries. Uh, so how would, how would you recommend that they talk to this particular boy about these kinds of issues with that wide age thing going on for him, hormones and emotional maturity and so on? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And she sort of um, kind of directs us to that where she says he's recently, she says, increased the amount of physical affection he wants. So he's hugging for longer periods of time, which is a really long hug is going to create discomfort for the mom and, and or for others, right? If he hugs them for long periods of time. So I think we should be experiential here as much as possible. And when he does something like he hugs and then and, and mom, let's say, lets him hug, or the social worker lets him hug longer than they would maybe for someone else, just kind of knowing his situation, that he could have attachment distress, that there's all sorts of stuff going on. But then they get to the point where, you know, it's just not, you, you just can't hug any longer than that. You have had my body next to yours too long. And that's experientially the way to do it. At that moment, um, because talk, talking to him and abstracting with him about boundaries, very difficult for his brain. But at that moment to say, okay, this is how long a hug should go and, and kind of pull away and say, this is how long a hug should go. Um, and then kind of look him in the eye, you know, hold his shoulders if needed, or just make sure it got, got in his mind and then give it a little time, maybe just a few seconds or 60 seconds or, you know, time for him to respond Maybe there's a conversation and then say, okay, let's try this again now. So let's hug for the, the amount of time that is best. Let's hug and then let him hug again and see if he does it this time. Like maybe this time he thinks about it and he hugs for that amount of time. This has to be repeated because maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just clings. Okay, then we get to that point. Whenever the mom thinks it's at that point, she separates again. She says, okay, remember what we talked about. We can only hug, you know, people are not going to like you hugging them for 10 minutes. It's scary for them and you don't want to scare them. So, so let's try it again, hug for the right amount of time, you know, and et cetera. And that, I think, I think the best way to do this is case by case with everything he does that where the boundaries are not good. Um, try it through those things. Uh, just like we have already talked about with the dress, that's not appropriate here. Let me give you a blankie. Um, think we need to do it case by case as much as possible with objects in our hands or with our bodies, because I think he's going to learn experientially better than he's going to learn verbally. That's my guess. So I, just to clarify a little bit here, because some may be listening in and, and saying, why are we limiting hugs with the boy's mom? But this is a little different situation here uh, with a, a yeah. foster boy coming in who is potentially coming to terms now with growing sexuality with potentially uh, a uh, underdeveloped emotional uh, ability to to f go through what he's going through. And so it's not about boys hugging their moms too long or moms hugging their boys too long. It's this particular case, because it's a foster caregiver, that we're, we're talking about this process. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and specifically, this is a child with fetal alcohol syndrome, right. FAS. And so he, he has these developmental delays and, delays and he has maturation issues, social emotional issues. So yeah, this is, uh, we love hugging kids. Yeah, we're, we're not anti-hugs, but that's this situation yep. where, where he, and it's not going to be just with this mom. 
I, I mean, my guess is that as he socializes more and more with others, that that what the social worker is saying in this in this email is that it, it, the the hugging has gotten to a point where it's not appropriate, which means he's going to probably do it with other people. Yep. So they're trying to get him trained using the mom. They're trying to get him trained on appropriate hugging. Um, and that's not unusual for kids like this who have FAS that they, um, you see it also with other disorders where they're, they just don't get the, that their body ends and the other body begins, you know, yeah. they don't, they don't get that. And so it's a repetitive, constant process of trying to teach them that experientially. And, and as you mentioned earlier on, this boy probably has some attachment challenges going on in his life. We don't know how many different homes he's been in. So a lot of challenges and um, you know, I, I know some foster parents. We have a number of them in our church, and the work they do is so very, very important uh, to provide a loving, safe home for kids who wouldn't get one from their birth parents. And and the, the, the immense challenges that they face being these loving parents for kids who aren't by birth their own, it's just amazing good work, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, unsung heroes. Anyone listening to this who's foster who's fostering just, you know, you are unsung heroes and we really appreciate what you're doing. Yes. The, the numbers and numbers of boys and girls whose lives have been turned around by foster care parents. It's, it's just amazing. So God bless you all. We thank you for that. Uh, we thank you for your question. Uh, it was a really good one and uh, it, it was uh, something that we don't often uh, get a chance to talk about here. Uh, and Michael for 50 hours of picking your brain, we say, thank you. And well, thank you for asking yep. the questions. <laughs> yes, and and just that you have fifty hours worth of stuff to talk about is is really quite amazing when you think about it. Now, well, probably, or it's a brain disorder. <laughs> yeah, or and, and probably if you boil it down, we've probably said three or four really unique things. We just keep <laughs> saying them over and over again. Uh, but that's the way it is, right? So <laughs> okay. next next episode, we are starting our journey to the next 50 hours. And we hope you'll join us for episode 101 of the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.